welcome to C3 Church to Bukit. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full, and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Hey C3 family, well, here we are in the third chapter of the book of James. I'm sure you've been really enjoying chapter one, chapter two. There is so much wisdom. James is like the New Testament book of Proverbs. It is full of wisdom, short, pithy statements that apply to us at every level. Now, I'm going into James 3 today, and I want to talk about it in two levels. The first level is to do with the mouth, the tongue, the lips, the way we speak, our communication. And then I want to talk about the content of what we say, the power of what we say. So let's Read the passage, James 3 verse 1, uh, verse 2 we're going to start at. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. Wow. So that would mean that pretty much all of us are going to stumble with our mouths at some stage. It says the person who does not stumble is also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their entire body. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So the imagery that James is using here is of a bit in a horse's mouth. If you've ever ridden a horse, you know that that's basically your steering wheel. So you have the bridle over their head and you put a bit in the through their mouth and when you pull that way, the horse moves there. Pull that way, the horse goes there. So it's a very simple, but it's a very small device to move such a large animal. And he's saying that it's only a small member, your tongue, but it has such an impact on your entire body and the direction of your life. He says, look at a ship. How big is it in comparison to the very small rudder at the back that directs where that ship is going? So the tongue is exactly the same. The direction of your life, if you're unhappy with it today, has been dictated by your conversation. But if you're happy with it, you can thank God that you've managed to keep coming out of your mouth things that are determining the direction of your life. So we're going to look at the power of the tongue, which is what James 3 is almost all about. The entire chapter devoted to the tongue. Don't underestimate the power of the tongue. It's a very small member, but it has a very big impact. We connect with other people through communication through what we say, how we say it, when we say it, and the content of what we say. Bad communication disconnects. Good communication, healthy communication connects, glues people together, fuses lives on the journey. So our communion as believers depends greatly on our communication, on what we say. Now, I want to get to speaking about faith. Because faith speaks. Speak it is what I've titled this message. And 
when you speak things, they have the ability to come to pass. But before we get to that, which James covers way back in chapter one and in this chapter as well, but he also moves us to consider the quality of our speech, the excellence of our speech. And he is calling us to make sure that our speech as believers is gracious, is brilliant, is healthy, is excellent, because that is shaping our lives. Within seconds, when you meet a person, their conversation has located them. You know them by the words that come out of their mouth. Within seconds, the kind of language they use, the tone, the spirit of it. Our language and our communication is shaped by God when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, encourage one another every day. People need courage every day. And if your basic framework of, com- of communication is encouragement, people will love having you around. Encourage everyone every day while you have the opportunity. If you do this, none of you will be deceived by sin and become stubborn. We can help people stay saved, keeping their hearts soft and open to God by encouraging them every day. Think of something good about a person and say it to them. If you think of somebody, say, wow, that person's a great person. Say it or write it, text it, thinking about you, thinking about how wonderful you are, all the amazing things you do. Whenever you meet people, thank God for them. I thank God for you. You're such a blessing to so many people. When you encourage other people and be specific, say, you know what you did the other day when you did that, that was amazing. When you said that, that so inspired me. The way that you treat those children, it is incredible. The way that you have made it through this trial, absolutely inspiring. When we encourage people, And don't do it in a measured way. Don't say, that's an interesting car you've got. Say, that's a great car. (laughs) Say, you you don't say, oh, you've got a house. You say, you've got a great house. What an amazing place. Be over the top. Use extravagance when you're praising God, when you're thanking God for other people, when you're thankful to other people. And uh, your praise will open doors. There is no doubt about it. The reason I'm talking about this a little is because there are quite a number of crises in the world. And when a crisis increases, so should our communication. In the middle of a crisis, people just need to hear your voice, especially if you're a pastor, a connect group leader, but just being a Christian, ringing up people, talking to them, stopping, taking time to listen, two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as we talk, just so that people feel heard and that they feel communicated with. But in a crisis, people need to know what's going on. People are down on what they're not up on. If we don't keep people updated on what we're doing, how we're traveling, what's going on, they will imagine the worst. So speaking to people is like what John tells us to walk in the light. Because when we're in the light, it's because somebody has told us something. We've not been kept in the dark, treated like a mushroom. No, we're in the light. 
And when you're in the light, you know what's going on. So you don't have to imagine the worst. And it applies to so many areas, like little areas. When somebody gives you a gift, write back, say, I love the gift. If you don't write anything back, they think, oh, they hated the gift. So when we are not communicating, people are in the dark and in the dark, people get fearful, get anxious, get overly concerned. So keep communicating, but make sure the communications are positive. Even if you're bringing bad news, couch it in faith, couch it in hope, couch it in, it's good to acknowledge realities, but don't acknowledge realities with a hopelessness, with despair. There's always hope with God. And when you speak faith into a negative situation, you help other spirit, other people's spirit rise up as well. So the culture of your conversation should be buoyant, positive, faith-filled, and empathetic, meaning you feel the pain of other people's. But that doesn't mean you have to go to all just being in, in sympathy. Bring faith into every situation. We impart life when we speak, or death. The power of the tongue can bring life to people so they feel alive and energized after they've been speaking to us, or they can feel drained as though their enthusiasm has gone and they're feeling hopeless. Never be the person who brings that. Bring life to people. Raise the dead with your words. God has chosen preaching to bring salvation to the whole world. If you're in conversations that are, that are complaining and negative, steer them away from that. Start to say, yeah, but this is a good thing. Put a little stop to that negative spirit. I have found that when people get negative, the devil turns up and you can get the feeling of something creepy around. But I've also found that when you start speaking positively, faith-filled words and about Jesus, he turns up. God moves into our con- into our communications, into our conversations. There are scriptures about that, that the Lord was mindful of people who talk about Him and a book of remembrance was written about them. And so He came near to people who were talking about Jesus, even though they were a bit sad. And He took them through the scriptures, those two disciples on the way to Emmaus. So I'm committed in my life. I've committed my mouth to being used by God and to put the law of kindness in my mouth, which is spoken of in Proverbs 31. Even in business, like if you're a business person in a congregation there or involved in any kind of commercial world enterprise, you'll find that your communication dictates your cash flow. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he says, many people are talking, but not everybody's listening. And the people who listen in communications to their customers, to the marketplace, listen to situations that are speaking, trying to speak to them, they actually are going to profit in the, in the marketplace. The, the, the people will always go to the best communicators, not the most fabulous products. If people are talking about what they have, and as the church, we should be letting people know we're here. Oftentimes, our churches are the best kept secret in town. We should not be a secret. We're meant to be a city on a hill, a light on a hill. And, uh, and so we need to be communicating, whether it's on the backs of buses, on the internet, online, everywhere, letting people know 
that we are there for them to help, to pray for them, to be part of their answer. Robert Kiyosaki says also, poor people are poor are that because they're poor communicators. They might have a fabulous product, they might have a fabulous career, might have a fabulous anything, then and yet it's not getting put out there because they haven't communicated it. The Carnegie Technological Institute has stated that 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because they cannot get along with other people. Some people are always contrary, always argumentative. If you are that, please don't do it anymore. (laughs) I know everybody thinks of the other side. You've probably thought of, well, there's another side to that while I'm speaking. We all have that. We all have those other side. That's part of being a sane person that we can view various opinions, but to get along with people, find the points of agreement, not the points of disagreement. Don't always be arguing. Just be able to say, yeah, that's right. I believe that. I'm with you on that. Let's agree together. When you get harmony, you get relationship. Relationships are based on that. They're based on shared experiences, proven faithfulness, unselfish actions, and agreement. So great relationships, getting along with one another, are based in a big way on how we communicate with each other. I got to tell you that we got to communicate not just to people, but communicate often. So rather than giving people a big one-hour phone call once a month, probably better to give them maybe 10 one-minute phone calls throughout the month. It's it, people in relationships, it's it's like dosage, I guess. You don't get a, a, a medication from the doctor and just take the whole lot. You just take it over every day over a period of a month and it works for you. And, and I think communication, continual, regular communication helps us. When you open a conversation, open it with positive statements. Say, this is great to see you. I'm so thankful to God for you. All through the scripture, In the New Testament, you'll find Paul opens every letter with positive statements about the people he's writing to. Your faith is spoken of all over the world. Make communication always a conversation, not just a monologue, but a dialogue. You say something, they say something. You you keep a rhythm going so that you don't drown them with your words, your news. Uh, Ensure your spirit and your, your, your tone Match the words you're saying. I don't know if you've ever had a person say to you, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) The words and the tone don't really go together. When we're sorry, we're brokenhearted and embarrassed about something we, we genuinely say with the tone and with the words that we're sorry. Number Here's another one. Think before you speak. Don't think in your mouth. Think in your brain and then speak. Because if you're processing, you say things that can offend people. One thing I just wanted to say here, especially a, a specific point. Now, when I go through the book of Proverbs, it's got a huge amount to say on our language, our communication. But out of the 26 areas that I, I've identified in the book of Proverbs, in my Bible studies, I can see how it should be appropriate, it should be not hateful, it should be truthful, etc., etc. Et There's all these 
bits and pieces to do with communication in the book of Proverbs. That's for another time, another study. But there's one that I wanted to pick out, especially in the light of the internet. It says in Proverbs 26, verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And I got to tell you, I mean, I face a ton of slander and persecution and criticism online. I read this morning that apparently I'm meant to have $46 million. They <laughs> said, by the way, this guy's got the, I, I feel like say to them, well, could you please show me where it is so that I can go pick it up? But they just say these untruths to try and smear your reputation. And I get up, I get upset. There's no doubt about it. There are all kinds of things. I'm not even going to go near that. I don't read them most of the time. But when I do, it, it affects you. It's not like you're nothing. It, you feel it. And I feel like I can concoct such a sharp answer. Such I'm not too shabby in terms of having a decent argument, having a decent debate with somebody. I can do that. But I'm not going to answer that. It says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. You're going to be just like them. And they've got like five followers in basements around the country and, and they've triggered you. And you're what, going to let all, drag all your followers into the same stupid little debate? I don't think so. But when you're tempted to answer back and to enter into a battle and a fight online, don't do it. There's so many Christians invested in fighting online, fighting with strangers. I mean, can you imagine spending your whole life fighting with strangers about political views and opinions and for the rest of your life? And there are better ways for us to spend our lives. So there is a piece of wisdom out of Proverbs, even though it's hard to do, to walk away from provo provocation. There are times when it's appropriate to engage with, with people in, in person, but generally not. Okay, so I want to get in these last few moments to the faith element of speaking, because now we've got to understand that it's not just speaking to people that we must become excellent at. It is also speaking to our circumstances and it's speaking to God and it's speaking to ourselves and it's speaking into the lives of other people. And Mark says, or Jesus says in Mark, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. So that when you and I start to approach a problem like a mountain, it's just huge in our lives. Speak to it. Say, this mountain will move in Jesus' name. Even though your tongue is small, like James said at the beginning, it can affect the entire direction of a boat. Turn around an entire horse's body. You can turn around a situation in your life today by speaking to it. The Bible calls it prophesying. A lot of our praying needs to be prophesying, not just pleading with God to do something, but He is sometimes waiting for us to do what we are asking Him to do. We might be saying, God, change the situation. He's saying, you change it. You speak change into it. Begin by using my words in the earth 
to do what I did when I created the whole earth. And so when you here today start to speak that word, it's gonna come to pass. So many times when we were building our building here in Oxford Falls, I would come down to this place where the weeds, honestly, it was, it was 11 acres of weeds and broken down tractors, trucks, chicken sheds. It was a mess. And I'd stand in amongst the weeds and the grass that was as tall as, as the ceiling in your room there. And I couldn't see anything, but in my vision, I could see a congregation sitting in front of me. And I stood where the pulpit was gonna be and I'd start preaching. And I'd say, this is gonna be like this. And we would prophesy, we'll have this building. That building is gonna be there. And we spoke there for eight years while we were going through all sorts of opposition. It looked like we were never gonna get it. We were turned down so many times, but we kept speaking. I made sure that I kept that word locked in my mouth that it would come to pass. There are things that you've got opposition for against right now. There are things that you may, th you may think are impossible, but they can come to pass. We uh, were invited by the Ward family in our church in the early days to go to the hospital for a young girl called Elizabeth Ward, their daughter, who was nine years old. She had spinal meningitis and she was now in a coma because the pounds per square inch of fluid pressure in her brain was 95. It's normally around 15. This PSI in her head was 95. So she'd, her brain had shut down, she was in a coma. Machines were keeping her alive. During the night, the machines broke down. So she didn't have oxygen to her brain for about 16 minutes. The parents called me and said, can you come and pray? So I grabbed one of the other pastors. We went to the bedside of this girl and we started to pray. And the Word of the Lord came to me and said, the girl will not die, she will live. And I prophesied that. We thank God for healing her, even though there was no change. We walked out of the, of the hospital. 24 hours later, the girl came alive, turned across, saw her mother and said, what's for breakfast? She had only been kept alive by the machines and they thought that she was going to be brain dead because they shone the torch into her eyes. There was no pupil dilation. They said, she's brain dead. You'd, you'd better let us take the machinery off her. Otherwise, you're just going to have a vegetable for the rest of your life. You, she can die with dignity. But her mother held on, said, no, we're going to call for our pastor to come and pray. And when she did that, she opened the heavens over her little girl. My wife had a vision of her graduating from high school at age 15. And that's exactly what happened. Chris went to the, to the graduation. Friends, you've got to understand your tongue is powerful. Never underestimate the power of words. You can speak to your situation right now and you will find that God's power will rest on your words as you prophesy, as you speak Scripture into your circumstance here today. Let me pray for you as we finish up this chapter three in the series on James. Heavenly Father, touch every listener, every viewer here today, Father, with the power of God and an injection of faith into their spirit that they will begin to speak to their world. 
that we would not just have excellence of speech, but we'd have power of speech. We wouldn't just be wise in our words, but Lord, we would be powerful in our words. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that right now, your spirit will rest on every member of every one of our congregations around the world, that we would have the spirit of faith in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We hope you are inspired with this message. For more information about our church and our program, please visit c 3